I'm glad that we have a church where our young people can show off their gifts. Amen? So if you have a problem with dancing at church, I got news for you. You are not going to like heaven. What do you think you will do when you lay eyes on Jesus for the first time? Come on, somebody. I bet you dance. I bet you shout. I bet you start knocking people out of the way. Amen? I don't know if they'll do that in heaven. I might, but bring a level of rowdy to the kingdom that they've never seen before. Uh, We are starting a new series in the book of Joshua. Um, So you can get ready to turn there. If you have the Bible app, you can go there as well. And we're actually starting in Deuteronomy chapter 34. And then we're going to find our way towards the end of our message into uh, Joshua chapter 1. So I do know that the Super Bowl is today. I am aware of that. For every man or woman in here that is wondering if you will get on on time, I can promise you, you will get on time because I want to see it as well. Cowboys are not in the Super Bowl, but that's okay. That's all right. But um, we do, uh, our connect groups are tonight, by the way. So, you know, in that spirit of those things, uh, you know, we believe at our church that we can't assemble together unless there is food. So I know at our connect group there will be food. I'm sure at Pastor Ben and Jenny's there will be food. All the connect groups will have food. People that love food said, amen. And that was a word from the Lord. Um, In the spirit of doing things different, um, I've launched this year and having people come up and help me uh, read the word of God. Today I have someone uh, very special coming to help. Uh, It is my big brother. So give him a big hand. His name is John. JT's in the health. So he's going to read Deuteronomy chapter 34, uh, verses 4 through 12 in the message version. It's a lot of pressure up here after Terrence and Tiffany. and All I can do is dab or try. Uh, All right, let me read. Then and there God said to him, This is the land I promised to your ancestors, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, with the words I will give to your descendants. I've let you see it with your own own eyes. There it is, but you're not going to go in. Moses died there in the land of Moab. Moses, the servant of God, just as God said. God buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. No one knows his burial site to this very day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyesight was sharp. He still walked with the spring in his step. The people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab for 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses came to an end. Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. The people of Israel listened obediently to him and did the same as when God had commanded Moses. No prophet has risen since in Israel like Moses, whom God knew face to face. Never since then, I'm sorry, never since has there been anything like the signs and miracle wonders that God sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh, to all his servants, and to all his land. Nothing to compare with all that, with that all-powerful hand of his and all the great and terrible things Moses did as every eye in Israel watched. Give him a big hand. And just so you know it, since in the spirit of bragging and honoring people, he just received a really, really very big and important promotion with 
the pharmaceutical company that he works for selling drugs, legal drugs. Um, <laughs> yes, give him a big hand. I want to brag on my big brother. Really, really cool. Uh, you, he's, he's humble. He would never tell you, but he really is a big deal in his company. And God has honored him. And I want to say that to everybody. And if you honor God, God will honor you. Amen. That's a message for another time. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for worship and the dance as we talk about being brave and walking into our destiny and stepping into the things that you've called and set before us to step into and the reading of your word. And you've declared in Hebrews that your word is, is it's like a double-edged sword. It pierces in the innermost parts of us, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I pray today that the word of God does just that that it's a demarcation line in our life, that it forms the boundaries in which we are to live and move and have our being. And I pray that, that we would come inside those boundaries rather than trying to operate our lives and our homes and our marriages and our careers outside of those boundaries. I pray today that you equip us and challenge us and convict us convincingly, Holy Spirit, to begin to live within the boundaries of the Word of God. There's no greater place to live than inside your Word and what your Word has for us. We declare all this to be true because we prayed in the name of Jesus Christ and faith. And God's people said, amen, so be it. So we're talking about Joshua. For all of those, those of us that are familiar with, with the book of Joshua, I bet you most of us, we think of Jericho, right? Right? I do. When I think of Joshua, I think of the book of, uh, in the book of Joshua, I think about Jericho. That, that is a story that I default to. And, and we're going to talk about that in the coming weeks. Not necessarily today, but we will talk about Jericho. But I think about that as well. I mean, that is, that is like one of the uh, most basic stories that you're going to hear taught in Sunday school. If you, were, if you were a kid, you can remember that, you know. Or in Mimos class or in our little kids class or wherever it's at. You know, you're going to be taught about Jonah and the well. And, and uh, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna hear the story of Jericho. And you're going to hear some of these pretty kind of crazy outlandish stuff that happened in God's Word. Amen? And uh, I just want to kind of sail that to say how cool is it going to be when we get to heaven and we get to meet some of these people that we read about. Seriously. Like, I want to ask Jonah, like, all right, I got to know what it was like in the well, <laughs> in the fish. You got to tell me that one. How did God put you in there? And then it says you were thrown up. Like, like explain that to me. Um, Moses, what was it like to lead estimated 3 million people for 40 years through a desert? Pastor, the largest church ever in the history of the world. What was that like to lead those people? What was it like for you to have your staff and, and throw it before Pharaoh's wizards and his magicians and it become a snake and eat all of their snakes and then you pick it up and it's a staff again? I mean, like, like explain, like, what was that like? Tell me what was it like when, when, when they were hungry and, and you cried out to God and said, God, your people are hungry. And what was it like to watch bread rain from heaven? You ever seen Cloudy with the Chance of Meatballs? Parents, where do you think they get their stuff from God's Word? And it rained bread from heaven. It rained bread. And Moses, what was it like for, for you as you were leaving Egypt and Pharaoh's army was chasing you and they were going to kill you if they got a, their hands on you, but you stepped into the Red Sea and it parted. And the Bible says it was a wall on one side and a wall on the other side. And it says that they walked on dry ground. How Not did God just part the waters. He dried the ground instantly. 
What was that like, Moses, to see that and to look back and to see your enemy destroyed before you? What was it like for you to be thirsty and for you to take your rod and tap the, a rock and for water, the very first water fountain, right? Water to come out of a rock. And then I want to ask him, what was it like to never enter into your dream and your inheritance that God had for you? Because it says that that generation died in the desert. And then I want to find Joshua and I say, Joshua, holy smokes, dude. I read about you and I preached about you. And there was a city so big with walls so big, houses were inside the walls. And we'll talk about that and Rahab and the prostitute and how she helped God's people. I want to say, Joshua, what was it like that you're a warrior, that you're, you're, a, you're someone who battles, and yet God has told you to walk around an object? And that's all that you're supposed to do is walk around an object in faith. What is that like? What was it like to see the walls right before your own eyes crumble right before you? As you and the children of Israel, you begin to allow, let out a shout and a praise to God. And as you begin to praise him in the heavens, heaven crashed earth and it destroyed the walls. What was that like to witness that and to feel the wind as, as, as the walls clapped and it, it rushed? The wind rushed out from the falling rocks and debris. And what was it like to, to have that dirt sweep up in your face and, and to see the enemy slayed and, and run? And, and, and you capture the thing that God told the previous generation that they can't have. What was that like? So my, my next question is, for those of us that are parents and grandparents, would the generation that comes behind us want to ask us the things that we've seen God do? Somebody say, that was good. I don't know about you, but I want to have the kind of faith that when I tell my stories, people's jaws drop. I think we need to be believing for some jaw-dropping moments with God. How many believe that we serve a God that still drops jaws today? Amen. Give God a praise. Somebody hashtag that. I believe God wants to do that in your life too. I believe that he wants to see your, your jaw drop where you experience God in such a way that you walk into work like, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. You wouldn't believe me if I told you. If I told you what he did for me, you wouldn't believe me. If I told you where he brought me from, you wouldn't believe me. If I told you what he saved me from, you wouldn't believe me. If I told you how he restored my you, my marriage, you wouldn't believe me. If, if I told you how he saved my kids, you wouldn't believe me. If I told you how he led me out of collapse, a financial collapse and out of debt and out of bankruptcy, you, you wouldn't believe me. If I told you how he kept me from going insane and crazy, you wouldn't believe me. I think God's church, we need to start believing him for some more jaw-dropping moments because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Give God a praise. And he doesn't change, amen? And what he did for one generation, he will do for the next generation. But he's calling us to start believing with crazy faith that, God, you can do anything that is put before you. And there's nothing that you can't do. I challenge you for the walls that stand in your way 
the destiny that you're trying to enter, for the place that you're trying to go, for the, for the marriage that you're trying to have, and the home and the atmosphere that you want in your home, I challenge you to start believing God for some jaw-dropping moments. What would it look like if in December of 2016, just a few months from now, we have a celebration service where we get to share the jaw-dropping moments of what God did in our life, amen? And we stand on this stage, and you get to say, church, you wouldn't believe me if I told you. And we're going to say, tell us anyway. Let's celebrate. Let's worship, amen? Can we start believing God for some jaw-dropping moments, amen? Well, let me preach the word of God to you this morning. So we're reading in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 4 through 12. If you'll put that back up, and we'll just start with verse 4 again. He says, then and there, God said to him, this is the land I promised to your ancestors, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. With the words, I will give it to your descendants. He says, I've let you see it with your own eyes. There it is. But you're not going to go in. God's word can be very hard sometimes. Can you imagine you're Moses? Like you saw a bush on fire, this shrub on fire, and it's on fire and it's burning. It's not being consumed, and then out of it comes a voice. That's crazy. That's like you go back and like, I can't. That's before cell phones. I went live during Tiffany's dance. I could have gone live right then like no one is going to believe me. And so he hears God's voice, and he sees God talking, and then he answers the call of God, and he goes before Pharaoh. And if you're familiar with the story of Moses, there were ten plagues, right? And the last plague was that God took the firstborn of those that didn't have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. And so, so Moses, Pharaoh said, finally get these people out of here, you know, just let them go. And so the Bible says, right, as we just talked about, the, the Israelites, they leave, and over three million of them, they leave slavery. They were slaves. They were slaves. And they leave slavery, and they enter out into the desert. And for 40 years, Moses is faithful to God. The Bible says that every day he went and met in the tent of meeting with God, the first kind of temple that there was. It was a a tent, and Moses would go and walk and meet with God. And can I say something that today I still believe that God is looking for and wanting to have a relationship with people that carve out time intentionally and purposely to meet with him. You want a jaw-dropping moment? Go talk with him. Amen? So Moses would go meet with God. We, we just, we'll read again in the scripture that, that Moses walked with God, and that God walked with him, and they were friends. Oh, to be a friend of God. I would pray that I'm, as when my funeral is celebrated, that people will say he was a friend of God. I would love for people to say that about him. I would love for God to say that. He was my friend. Can you imagine being Moses? 40 years. Did I say 40 years? I'm 40 years old. Turned 40 this past December. I know I don't look at, please stop, stop. For 40 years, my whole life up to this point, that length, he was faithful to do what God called him to do. And then God tells him, you seen it with your own eyes. There it is. But you're not going in. What? What? Back up, God. Back up. 
What do you mean? I'm not going into the promise that you gave to me and my descendants. What does that even mean? What does that even look like? What? What have I been doing for the last 40 years? Putting up with your people. Doing what you called me to do. And now I don't get to go into the very thing that I've been talking about my whole life. I'm 120 years old. Throw me a bone. Something, God. I mean, I've been in the desert. I've been in the desert. For 40 years, I've been in the desert. Can I say this as a parent? I think every parent in here, grandparents would agree with me. I would much rather watch Harrison and Roxy walk into their destiny and the fullness that God has for them than me myself. That's the truth. That is the truth. As I stand here today, if, if all I ever experience is what I've experienced up to now with the Lord, I'm okay because I've had a fun ride. And if my goal from now on is to prepare my kids to walk into my dreams and my visions that God has given me that I thought were for me, I am okay with that. And I truly believe Moses being the man of God that he was, that God gave him a glimpse of what the promised land looked like. He said, just so you know what it looks like, here it is. But there is a joy found, dads and moms and grandparents, and watching our children and the next generation as we pave and as we work and as we toil the land to watch them come along and reap. I would love nothing more my whole life for me to hold the ground and till the ground and do the hard work so my daughter Roxy and my son can come behind me and reap the benefits of that. I would love that. Amen? So for the generation that has gone before me, my parents and, and the other generation, I want to say thank you. Let's, let's give them a big hand. Amen. The generation that has gone before us. Amen. If you're 50 and under, under you need to thank them. Because we're here today because there was a generation that did the hard work so you and I could sit in a comfy chair in a nice, beautiful room and worship in freedom. Are you hearing my heart today, church? And somebody had the, the tenacity to say, I'm going to work day and night. I'm going to do what I've got to do because somebody is going to get the stuff that I've laid out for him. And so I really believe Moses, being the man of God he was, was content to say, God, thank you for letting me see it. I don't need to go into it. That's fine. You've let me see it. Now Joshua, my successor, and all of their kids get to go inhabit the very thing that you told me. So as we look through Scripture, it says that in, in verse 5, 5 and 6, it says, Moses died there in the land of Moab. Moses is a servant of God, just as God said. It says God buried him. God buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite of Beth Peor. And it says that no one knows where his burial site is to this day. Okay, you've got to really walk with God for God to bury you. I'm just saying Right? Does anybody else catch that and thought that was interesting? I just wanted to share that. I wanted you to see that again. Because I think there's there's something to that. I think that he had this walk with God that God says, I'm going to see you to the very last moment. And I'm going to put you in a place that nobody can find you and dig you up and try to resurrect you. You've been 120 years old. I don't know about any of the rest of you, but when I go, let me go. Amen? Don't dig me up and pray that God resurrect me. And I think Moses, God took care of Moses and all of that to say to this church, that from your beginning to your end, God's fingerprints and his DNA are all over your life. Amen? 
and he's guarding you and he's protecting you. And he's saying, from your birth to your death, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to walk with you. Look at your neighbor and say, he's walking with you. The definition of brave is this. Just so parents know, we do have a nursery here. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Um, Brave is this. People who are ready to face and endure danger or pain. People who are ready to face and endure danger or pain. Brave. Brave. People who are ready to face and endure danger or pain. Have you ever felt brave before? Have you ever needed to be brave? Has anyone ever faced danger or pain? You need to be brave? I have faced danger or pain. I've got my back, not my back. This is Roxy's Beatles back. She's a huge Beatles fan. Whatever. She is. So, in Joshua chapter 1, verse 10 and 11, it says this. Then Joshua gave orders to the people's leaders. Go through the camp and give this order to the people. What does it say on the screen? No, no, no. Say it again. Pack your bags, because in three days, you will cross this Jordan River to enter and take the land of God. Your God is giving you to possess. Look at your neighbor and say, pack your bags. Pack your bags. Pack your bags. All right, we're going to pack our bags. I need some help. I need some help today. If we're leaving Egypt and we're getting to enter our promised land, what do we want to take with us? Would we want to take some joy? Does that make sense? Would we want to take some joy with us? Who has joy or you need joy in your life? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. You want to write it? Come here, Jimmy. Come here. Just write joy real big, and we're going to pack our bag. We're going to rip it off and put it in that bag. Joy. Awesome. What about peace? Would we want to take some peace with us? Yeah? Who has peace or you need peace right now? Eric? Come on up, buddy. Write peace real big, my friend, and we're going to put it in there. What about hope? Does anybody need or want hope in their life? Yeah? Let me see your hands. Angel, come here. Write hope real big right here. (laughs) Write in Spanish. You can write in both, brother. (laughs) Oh, man. Mira. Uh, What about love? Does anybody, would we want to take some love with us? Yeah? Raise your hand if you need some little love in your life. Come here, Stephanie. <laughs> I was like, who's that? Who's that? No, you're in trouble. Last one. I'd want to take some favor with me. I mean, if I'm getting ready to walk and face some giants, would you want some favor? Would you want some favor? Dwayne, come on. Buddy, come on up here and write favor down for me. We're packing our bags, church. You want to go where God wants to take you? He says, pack your bags. Pack your bags. Let's go. Let's get motivated. Let's get ready to do something. You've got a pack, though. 
there's some stuff that you got to take with you. So we're going to pack it. We're packing our bags. We're putting a little favor in there. That's the way you do that. But the truth of the matter is, if we're all honest and transparent, I'll be transparent for you anyways, is this, that we'll pack this stuff, but what we're not so willing to say amen and shout about is the other stuff that we're about to pack. Let's start with this one, depression. Is anybody brave enough to say they're facing depression in here? Come on, Joey. Write that down. What about anger? Anybody dealing with anger? If you're brave enough to say, in my bag is anger. Come on, Tim. Proud of you. It's awesome. He got the memo too today. Check that out. The blue plate. What about doubt? Is anybody struggling with doubt? Come on, Nick. Last one. Is anybody in here brave enough to say that you've been facing suicide? You want to write that down? Is that right? No stones. Anybody brave enough to say I've had that thought? Say it. Maybe I thought it recently. On, brother. You want to write it down? Because I believe there's more than just one person in here. It only takes one person to be brave. Can we put the definition of brave back up, please? People who are ready to face and endure danger or pain. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? Here we go. We're packing our bags. But for some reason today, I've got to believe that God being a good God is saying the stuff that I want to take you in, I don't want you packing that. I love you enough to say don't bring that along the ride. Amen? I love you enough, like, let's not put that in the luggage. I want you to pack your bags. I want to take you to places you've never been. I want you to see things that would drop your jaw. But I'm asking you when we go not to start packing that stuff. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says and declares that if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things are passed away and everything. Everyone shout everything. I mean shout everything. 
everything has been made new. So the devil loves to come along and says, wait, 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 wait. You used to be depressed. And you say, no, no, no. That doesn't get to go in the bag. Suicide doesn't get to go in the bag. Come on, somebody. Doubt doesn't get to go in my suitcase. Anger doesn't get to go in my suitcase. Depression doesn't get to go in my suitcase. Only joy and love and peace. That's how I'm going to travel from now on because I'm going somewhere. Are you hearing my heart today, church? Are you ready to go to the places that God has for you? Are you ready, like the children of Israel, to enter into the promised land, to get the stuff that God says is for you, the stuff and the dreams and the visions he gave you as a kid that have faded away in life and so much has, has overwhelmed you and overshadowed God's voice and has overtaken his promise in your life? Are you ready to enter and reclaim that stuff today? I believe that you are. Would you stand your feet all across this place? Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for those that are bold and brave. I thank you for those that raise their hands for whatever they felt like they were to raise their hand for. The thoughts of suicide or depression or doubt or anger or disbelief. All of those things. The truth is, church, with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, that we all battle that. Me too, me included. Every one of those, we're going to battle. It's not as if the enemy is going to say, oh, wow, you attended church today. I'm just going to leave you alone. No, no, no. The last thing he wants you to do is to enter into the promise that God has for you. Is to walk in the fullness of God. He does not want you to have an intimate relationship with the Father. That is the last thing he wants you to do, is to discover your identity in your sonship and your daughtership, that you're a son of God or that you're a daughter of God. He doesn't want you having that kind of knowledge and that kind of revelation that you're a king's kid and everything that is in the kingdom belongs to his kids. He doesn't want you to have hope or peace or favor or joy or love. He doesn't want any of that. John 10.10 says that the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus says, but I've come to give you life and life to the fullest or life more abundantly. So as we pack our bags today, like right now, as we pack our bags, we're, you know, we're emotionally right now, we're checking some things. Emotionally, spiritually, we're checking some things. What are you willing to put in your bag? What are you willing right now to say, God, I don't want this in my bag, and I'm leaving it here because I'm going somewhere in 2016. It's going to look different. I've already determined that my home is going to be different. I've determined that my marriage and my relationships are going to be different. Then, church, you've got to do something different. Stop packing that stuff. If you've been saved and redeemed, he redeemed you from that. Amen? He redeemed you from depression. He redeemed you from oppression. He has redeemed you from doubt. He has redeemed you from disbelief. So when Jesus went to the cross and said it is finished, he was talking about all of that. He says, you have been redeemed from that. So I want you to be bold and brave right now. If there's some things that you want to get out of your luggage and you want to leave here at the cross... Leave here at the, at the altars today, at the feet of Jesus. I want you to make a bold, brave move. Just come find a place to pray. We're going to sing and we're going to worship. As we do, don't wait on anybody else. Do what you want to do in your heart, what, what Holy Spirit is motivating you to do. And leave it here at the altar today. Leave your doubt. Leave your fear. Leave your anger. Leave your malice. Leave all of it here at the feet of Jesus.
with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, we're going to close in prayer. Those at the altars, please continue to tarry. Do not move. Don't worry about it. We're here as long as you need. So, Dad, we thank you for today. I thank you for the revelation that we've received. All of us have a bag that we need to pack. Today, we choose. Out loud, church, I want you to say, I choose. Say it like you mean it. I choose. Say it with some conviction in your heart. I choose. Yeah. Lord, we choose to pack the stuff that is yours, the stuff that comes from you, the stuff that is your kind of talk, that's your kind of language, the stuff that you say about us, that's what we're filling our bag full of. And devil, we're giving you your eviction notice today. And we are saying to you that the stuff that you keep handing us, we're not going to take and we're not going to pack it any longer. So the depression, the oppression, the anger, the malice, the hurt, the doubt, the disbelief, the fear, you can keep it, devil. We are choosing now God's stuff over yours. We choose, Lord, your stuff today to fill our hearts and our homes and our minds with the stuff that is from you. We do this, Lord, intentionally. We do it purposefully. We ask all of this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. God's people said, Amen. Somebody give God a shout today.